Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Limit Selling, and I'm privileged to have Roy Red, who's a show-off by doing a TED Talk. Welcome to the program, Roy. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. You're going to hate me a little more because I actually did two TED Talks and might be doing another, but we'll All see. right, this interview's <laughs> over. Um, we're out of here. <laughs> Brilliant. So welcome to the program. And uh, yeah. your latest book is The Unbounded CEO. Yes, The Unbounded CEO. So tell me about that. Are CEOs bounded? Are they in straitjackets? What's going on? Well, most CEOs, founders or business owners have a hundred things they're doing. They have a hundred things that they regret they're not doing, and they don't really know what's working. And they're also working in their business, not on their business. You know, they set out to start their business because they wanted freedom, but they ended up just becoming more bounded and becoming an employee and a slave to their own business and then starting to hate the thing that they set out to create because they love something or they wanted freedom or because they wanted to live with purpose, but really they just didn't set up systems properly so that they can have the freedom and live the life that they set out to have in the first place. I was doing a keynote presentation. I met this guy who had written one of the most uh, downloaded articles on Harvard Business Review, uh -huh. you know, the monkey on your back. And this was his premise that you're the CEO and one of your underlings says, you know, I'm trying to get a hold of the senior VP at ABC company. And you're like, oh, I know that person. Yeah. Uh, I'll do the intro. And then uh, three days later, you're walking down the car door and your underling says, did you make the introduction? Then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're becoming the worker for all the other people. And it's like, you know, how to stay at your highest level. Because if you really think about it, uh, depending on the company, minimum, the CEO, even if it's a small three-person shop, should be paid a minimum of a five hundred dollars mm -hmm. an hour, and if it's a larger company, it could be fifty thousand dollars an hour. I'm not sure what the number is, but if you're doing tasks that are beneath you, you are stealing from the company. That pride and joy that you're building, mm -hmm. you are stealing from it, which is kind of a sobering thought. So, tell me about some of the common mistakes yeah. CEOs make where they do the things they shouldn't be doing. Uh -huh. Well, one thing is they get away from their goals, which they had an income goal, an impact goal, and a lifestyle goal when they started. So they wanted to make a certain amount of money. They wanted to make an impact on a problem in the world. And they wanted to live a certain lifestyle. A lot of them didn't want to grind and hustle. I know that gets a lot of um, a play nowadays because it sounds sexy, but it's really not. You want to be effective, not just out there grinding, doing a bunch of work. Um, but one thing that I notice is the first thing I do when I work with my business owners is we get them to take a day off. They take one day off a week. And that means don't check email. Don't check your business phone. None of that stuff. That's one thing we're going to do. We call them free days where you get to relax. And another thing is how they hire employees. So I was actually given a keynote at the Todd Millionaire Mastermind. Uh, Todd has the biggest options course um, ever sold. Um, but 
he, in his mastermind, he was, we, I kind of coached him through because he was having this same problem of, you know, I hire all these people and I don't really know how to talk to them or put my foot down. And it seems like I'm more busy after hiring a web person, a social media person, a VA. And I said, well, Todd, that's because you hired wrong. I said, you don't hire all these people because now all these people are going to report to you. And then when you go and then you got to report for more people and you're just going to be more busy and none of them are going to do a job as good as you anyway. And he said, what do I do? And I said, your first hire, and this should be you guys' first hire, restructure if you already hired, should be a project manager. And that project manager's job is to then hire the people. They all report to that person. And then you just talk to the project manager. And so every day I get a report from my project manager, Tiffany, uh, based on what's got done, what's our lead measures, everything um, that we um, set out to do as goals for the day. And I just look at it. If there's any problems, I talk to her and I don't have to talk to the rest of the employees. I mean, every now and then we'll have meetings. Yes, but I'm not bombarded. I'm just talking to one person and that person manages and all I got to do is manage the manager. Okay, two things. So let's backtrack a little bit. So mm -hmm. taking the day off. So in theory, that sounds great, but mm -hmm. there's a weaning off when you're addicted to the drug. So tell me about one of your clients that you suggested this crazy ass thing to do and how long did it take them to actually get comfortable doing it? Uh -huh. So I'll talk about myself. I was actually um, against that idea because I actually like to work hard. Um, but my coach Ed Rush was like, nope, take a day off. You got to take a day off. And what he explained to me, and then I experienced it later was when you take that day off, it replenishes energy. So then when you go back to working, you're able to get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time. And, you know, you can't create when you're in crisis. And so you have to learn to relax. And that next day after a free day, I do what's called a, a, a squeeze the sponge and the sponge being my brain where I write down and I just have all these ideas because the day before I was relaxing, doing things I like to do, maybe work out, go for a hike, whatever that is. Then after I squeeze the sponge, I have all of these new ideas, all of these to do's. And then I'm just ambitious. My, my, my epinephrine, my norepinephrine, my brain is replenished and I'm just ready to work. I'm ready to go. And I can get a lot more done in less time because I replenished that mental energy. Makes perfect sense. Backtracking a little bit less. So you had said that, you know, you're hiring all these people. You can do it better than them anyway. And I would yeah. say that is a false statement because you might be gifted at accounting, but you suck at marketing. Mm -hmm. So you do have to hire people outside of your skill set. So talk to me about that. When you go outside of your skill set, then it's uncharted territory. So how do you hire the right person for that? And we'll talk about the in-between, the manager, the CEO in a few minutes. But talk about hiring people outside of your expertise. How do you guide your CEOs to hire those kinds of folks? So let me correct myself. You feel like you can do a better job. Doesn't mean you could do a better job. Yes, people then we're on the same page. Lead generation better than, yeah. You feel like, ah, oh, I could just, I can do it faster. For example, um, I do a lot of cold email outreach for, for my, um, CEOs or brands or myself. And when I do the cold email outreach, I actually go, uh, myself or 
my assistant, we actually go, we look at the company, we look at the CEO's LinkedIn and we find something so we can have a custom first line. So we're not just spamming up. And so that takes a lot of time. And sometimes I'll shoot my, uh, my assistant, a list of 200 and say, Hey, can, let's, can we do some custom first lines for this 200, um, list of, so we can do cold email. And I'm just like, Oh, I want to do it. She's taking too long. She's taking too long. I could have been done. We could have been had this done because my lead measures is I want to get a thousand emails out a week because I know my numbers. For example, um, I'm also a speaker. I speak all over the world. If I want to do to for every 50 emails I send, I get a speaking gig. So I know my how many emails I have to send. So I want to just get things done. And a lot of times we want to get in the way and get in and just move them out the way and do it. But that's not how we should do it. We should have a strategic outlook and keep the vision and make sure the lead measures are being met. But let the people who know what they're doing do it and just be a little patient. Obviously, we we don't let them take forever, but be a little patient and let them do it correctly. And we do it as a team. So Roy, because I like you, I'm going to give you the one line that 100% guarantees engagement. You may want to write this down. I'll, I'll take it. Is it two words? No, it's, it's a little bit more than that. It's, I know where your children go to school. Oh, wow. Now, people responding back, maybe the FBI, but you will get a response. <laughs> So just kidding there, obviously. Uh, don't write that down. You will get arrested. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use okay. it. <laughs> I, you, I'm the one that got Roy in jail. So let's talk about COO, that one position that kind of manages the others. So that is a yes. critical hire because you're really putting the fate of your company in the hands of that person. And it's human nature yes. for people to want to do their best work, but sometimes hide mm -hmm. their mistakes. Only strong people kind of go, yeah. Hey, we're screwing up here. What do we need to do? So tell me how you help a CEO yeah. kind of find that person. Because if they can stay focused on what they need to stay focused on, it's the best hire in the world. So talk to me about that. Mm -hmm. So one mistake uh, business owners make is they hire someone like them. They hire someone that they like um, and who is entrepreneurial like them. They hire another CEO or another founder. No, you want to hire a manager, someone who is different than you. And so uh, what I'll have them do is have people take a Kobe index test. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Kobe index test, entrepreneurs like myself were more of a quick start where we yeah. have ADD. We want to get do a quick start. When what you want to do is find someone who's more of an implementer and hire those people. And yes, sometimes you might bump heads because you're a little different. You're a quick start and you want to get a lot of things done and they're an implementer, but they'll help keep you in line. And um, obviously you do the other stuff, like you just, you you make sure they have the skills, maybe some experience and all that stuff. But I have them take a Kobe index test and I want them to have more implementer qualities because I'm a fast action, quick, uh, have quick qualities. And just so you guys know, in California, if you guys live in California, you cannot hire based on a test like that. So make sure you're not hiring based on that if you're in California, but in other states, uh, whatever the laws are in your states, make sure you know them. But in other states, uh, it's fine to uh, have them take a test. Like that. 
And I would think that, you know, the test isn't the uh, only thing. Mm-hmm. It would be maybe a 30% part of the uh, the process. Then the rest is, you know, likability, effectiveness, and all those mm-hmm. other things that uh, make a human being a human being. So, Roy, you're a pretty accomplished guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have areas that we're working on. And mm-hmm. are you married by any chance? No, I'm single. Um so when you do that thing, whoever you choose, one of the benefits of a spouse is they tell you when you are screwing up or what you're telling yourself isn't exactly accurate. So two questions then. One is, mm-hmm. uh, what are you working on right now to make Roy better, stronger, faster? And the second part mm-hmm. of that question is, how do you realize that there's an area of weakness? Because oftentimes we shy away from those things and pretend they don't exist. So part one, what are you working on now? And two... How do you stay honest with yourself and figure out the areas that, oh yeah, I need work there? Mm -hmm. So I love those questions because entrepreneurs should be learning new things all the time. So right now I'm reading the four uh, disciplines of effectiveness. I read a book a week, minimum. Uh, Another thing I have is I have a coach, uh, my coach Ed Rush. He uh, tells me what I need to be doing to grow, how to scale, he gives me an outside look. And even though I know the things that he's looking at, and sometimes when you're, when it's your baby, your business, you can't see those things. So you gotta get coaching. And number three, I have an accountability group. My friend Brandon Stokes, uh, Andre Woodley and, uh, Ricky Sosa. They, we get on the phone every two weeks. We go over our two week goals with each other, make sure we hit them. And then we, kind of get on each other and make sure our targets are measurable, tangible, and something that we can hit. Brilliant. So Roy, when you are doing a keynote speech, mm-hmm. uh, how long have you been doing that? Since 2016. So I suspect your delivery in 2016 was good. I suspect it sucks compared to where you are now. And so tell me what you've learned being on stage and connecting that our listeners should know. And maybe that 2016 version of yourself. And so what comes to mind? So my friend Brendan Broussard always says, people don't believe the message until they believe the messenger. And so what I learned was, if you tell your story properly, then people will connect with you and they'll listen to you and they'll resonate with you. And so uh, when I learned that, I always lead with a story. And I use what's called a story cascade, weaving in different stories as I teach, uh, taking people up and down, high emotions, low emotions, sad, angry, happy, laughing. And I tell my story, which is very inspirational. And I just try to get better at telling the story. I study storytelling, the hero's journey, um, and just try to get better at telling that story, be animated, be very physical. And um, if, if your story is great, and then they resonate with you, then you can, you can stuff the material in their brain. Brilliant. And when you look at your performance right now, mm-hmm. there's probably other people in the industry that you're watching them that are better than you. So who's better than you? And what's the thing they're doing that you're looking to go, I want to be able to do that? Like, what's the next step in your speaking performance? Bo Eason, in my opinion, is the best speaker walking the planet. It's inside of, he's one. And then uh, T.D. Jakes, who's a pastor, is a close second. Nice. I would give Bo the edge because 
He is so animated. His physiology and his body is just so well done. He tells story so well. Um, he actually has a play, a single person play he did by himself called The Runt of the Litter, uh, which he has all these uh, awards for. And Leonardo DiCaprio actually purchased the play from him and going to do a movie about it. And it's a uh, it's a play about his life. Uh, he he ended up playing in the NFL. And then after the NFL, he uh, told the story about how he got to the NFL, how he's the runt of the litter. But his speaking, his acting, his presence on stage, the way he can conduct and move an audience and tell a story is legendary. And that's from two decades of practicing, practicing, practicing. And I hope to be there. I will be there. That is excellent because I think we always need uh, – I'm always looking for people that are better than me to kind of go, hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think Picasso put it best, you know, stealing is the highest form <coughs> of praise. Yeah. And not to actually steal those people's work, but it's like, you know, that is really, really good, uh, what they're doing and how do I bring that in? Because it's all about how can we as speakers emotionally move the audience so they take action in whatever direction they think is positive for them. And not just, oh, that was a really nice hour presentation. I really like Roy. But I bet when you get an email two months later saying, hey, Roy, when you said this in your speech, this is what I did with it. Thank you so much. Is the juice that kind of keeps me going. Yes. Yeah. So, Roy, before we part company. So, before we part company today, I have two last questions for you. Number one. What's a good mind uh-huh. hack for our listeners that they could implement right away to become happier, more productive? What comes to mind? Gratitude. Set your day. The first thing you should do when you wake up is set and prime yourself with gratitude. Even if it's the smallest thing. Uh, if you're a believer, you can say God or whatever it is for you. Thank you for my heart. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this this computer so I can so I can create. Thank you for technology. Thank you for this water. Thank you. Thank you. And when you get, when you, we're, we're not primed, unfortunately, for gratitude. So we have to prime it every morning. I literally wake up and when I open my eyes, I'm like, thank you for another one. And if we come from a place of gratitude, it's not just this esoteric thing. It's actually tangible that it helps us create and be creative. And just to uh, kind of add on to that, mm-hmm. if you're doing 10 things of gratitude each morning, the first morning, mm-hmm. it's shocking how many people go, 10? And you think of all the billions of things you have in your life to be grateful for. They can't even think of 10. But they, some people go, okay, 10. So they do 10 the first day and then different 10 the next day. And by the time you get to the third or fourth day, your mind all day long is looking for gratitude because you know next morning you're going to need to do 10 and it just changes your mindset. So it's a great tool to feel good in the moment of gratitude. But more importantly, the entire day is spent being grateful and happy for the things you already have, which is pretty magical. So looks like Roy was so inspired by this need for gratitude that he's writing his gratitude journal right now. Roy, thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm looking forward to having you on the show again really soon. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way 
to get better results. 